understanding of who I am. I married a woman with incredible wisdom in relationship. And the longer we've been married, uh, the more wisdom is expressed because when she comes and asks something of me, I am really quick to say no. I do. I, I'm, if it's, it's, kind of some, it's maybe a little bit of sign that I love you enough to tell you no. Because I never want to be the guy that uh, was described by Jesus that said yes to his father and then went out and didn't do anything. And she, her wisdom is that she rarely responds. She lets it uh, kind of just uh, simmer with me a little bit, and it's not uncommon for me to come back and say yes. Because probably like a lot of you, when we were young and, and growing up, yes was not a first word that we learned. The first words we learned were no, because we were told, no, we couldn't do this. No, we couldn't do that. No, don't do that. And so that became kind of our mentality. But as a follower of Jesus, the Lord wants us to have a yes mentality. Say yes mentality. I know that uh, uh, as a parent, uh, I was listening to Marco's thing there, and I'm laughing. I'm thinking, I don't care what time my kids go to bed. I don't care what time my kids go to bed. I care more time when I go to bed than my kids go to bed. Uh, but when my kids were smaller, you know, I could just be so disconnected that the first thing out of my mouth when they come up and ask something was no right off the bat. But I want you to get this principle in the connect section just really quickly and, you know, that we're going to build everything off of this morning. And it's simply this, that the entry into God's divine purpose requires saying, yes, Lord. Entry into God's divine purpose for your life, for my life, requires us saying, yes, Lord. Now, before some of you just check out going, well, I, you know, I can't even imagine being any part of God's divine purpose. God's divine purpose starts when we look at him on the cross and recognize that every punishment that he took, he took on our behalf. It started when we recognize that he gave his life so that we would turn and say, yes, I give you my life. It wasn't God's plan from the beginning. God's original divine uh, purpose was simply that we would, uh, as the Westminster uh, Catechism says, is that our chief end is to glorify God. I know that, that some sing that song, we were made to worship. We weren't actually made to worship for some of you theologians. We weren't. We were made to glorify God. Worship came along because we needed to humble ourselves. We needed to bow ourselves down. We needed to lower ourselves because sin is always trying to build up, build up the person. God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, and, and you'll have dominion over the fish of the sea and the, and the birds of the air. I was joking with somebody before about fishing. I, I always expect to catch fish when I go fishing because my divine purpose is to have dominion over the fish. I'm only moderately joking there. I tell guys in boats all the time that I've been fishing with in the past, if you're not catching fish, you better start confessing your sin. Get right with the Lord. Get back to his divine purpose for your life. But Jesus came along truly to, to really restore our divine purpose because our divine purpose is found in him. When I receive him and live my life in him. But it starts with that word, yes. So if you're a follower of Jesus, when you said yes to him, you stepped into your divine purpose that God had intended. Is it fully lived out? Does God have more for you? Absolutely. I know some people, they step into that divine purpose, and that's where they stop. They think, well, that's all that the Lord has in store for me. Let me ask you this question. 
when is the last time you said yes to the Lord? Where you felt, whether in a time where you're reading scripture or your time while uh, the sermon is taking place or just a time where you are out doing whatever and the Lord says something to you and it requires you to say yes. When's the last time that happened? Because the yes mentality is, a, uh, is something that is developed. It's done by repetition. The life of the follower of Jesus should continually be, yes, Lord, I will do that. Yes, Lord, I will walk away from that. Yes, Lord, I will say something. Yes, Lord, I'll shut my mouth. Jesus lived his entire life saying yes to the heavenly father. Even when we get to this part in Matthew where the culmination of all of his yeses led to the biggest yes of his life as he's in the garden and he knows what is in front of him. That's what it says. It says, then Jesus went with them, starting in verse 36, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here. I want you to notice these. I'm going to emphasize some words here. While I go over there and pray. And then taking... With him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit Indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for a second time, he went away and prayed, My Father, this cannot pass unless I drink it. Your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words, again. It's important to understand that the yes mentality is a very personal thing. The yes mentality is not a, not first and foremost, a collective thing. It's not a, we may say yes collectively as Bethel to something, but in order to say some yes collectively to the Lord, you must first have said something in regards to yes to a something particular. But sometimes when we say yes, we understand in the spirit like Jesus that we want people around us that will help us to follow through with the yes that we have to say personally. And I'm here to tell you that if Jesus, the son of God, the one who never sinned, the one who lived a life fully expressing the spirit, wanted people around him to help him say yes, we need people around us to help us say yes. 
So what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes, and I want to do a little bit of a a biblical case study. We can't do everybody because the scripture's filled with them, but certainly a few in particular that we can look at and see the result that happens when we say yes. And the first two uh, really illustrate for us the the really potential that each of us has as, as a person. Now, even before we get to them, understand that as we walk through this yes thing, you're going to fall into one of two camps. You, you could be a person that you look at, you look at problems or you look at, at the future and you see problems. And then all you see is all the hiccups, all the ways that it can't be done. Or you can be a kind of a person who looks and sees potential or possibility. A yes person before the Lord ultimately is going to grow into a way of life that their eyes see all the potential by saying yes to the Lord. Let's start with Abraham. Abraham, he was just, he was just going about life and God comes to him and says, I want you to, I want you to leave the life that you know. And I, this is just one of the things I just love about the Lord. And I'll go, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. I wonder if this question is north, south, east, west, what's the next thing? Because he just said, go. Because here's the thing that, that yes ultimately does. Yes opens the possibilities for everything in life. And so when he said, yes, I will leave my life and you will show me your life, all the possibilities opened up for him. And it's there that God kind of moves him through these life experiences and then ultimately kind of the the pinnacle of yes for Abraham might be at a place that the Lord is asking you yes for. And it was for him, it was to sacrifice Isaac. Now, the Lord's not telling you to, you know, to sacrifice your two-year-old because you're sick and tired of their whatever. But God will always bring us to a place where he challenges the thing that is the most important to us. The thing that we, that you might even think, this is what God brought me. And God is saying, sacrifice it. A lot of different theological views of Abraham taking his son um, Isaac up to be sacrificed. And if we could get just past all past that, the reality is, is God wants to stretch each, each of us in the place of saying yes. Even to the things that seems like he brought me that. He's the one that blessed me with that. Because here's the thing you have to understand that that happened. Is that. Here Abraham was, and God says, I want you to take that which is more pre- most precious to you and sacrifice it. And in his heart, he didn't, he didn't skip a beat. He said, okay. And even walking up, he says, you know, the Lord will provide. But God was ultimately saying, I don't want you to even, catch this, covet the promise. I want you to be able to get rid of it. And when, and when we're willing to do that, you know what he did? He gave him a multitude. The yes mentality opens up everything when we're willing to live a life of open-handedness. The reason it's a door, I, I had left both my backpack and my briefcase at the office, and I had all this stuff that I had to take to the office this morning. And, I, and, I, and in one of the rare moments of of clarity in my brain, I thought through, I, I need my wallet in this pocket because this is going to be the only open hand that I have. Because in order to open the door, I needed an open hand. 
And when we live a life trying to covet things, our hands get so full of the things of this world that when we get to the door that God wants us to say yes to, we can't open it. Not unless we're willing to set things down. Okay, you may be the, the, the superhero husband who comes home, wife comes home or whoever does the shopping and you take a million bags in both hands out of the, the trunk of your car to get into the kitchen of the house and you recognize you get to the door and you can't open it. Some of you, your self-consciousness has been held on to so long that the Lord can't move you into everything that he has because you can't say yes because you're not willing to sacrifice. You're, you're, you're fearful of what people think and you're not willing to sacrifice that fear so you won't say the things that the Lord wants you to say. Caleb was a guy who, he said yes, and he always wins. Uh, I, I just am amazed at a guy that is 80 years old, ready to, ready to take on the world and say, we can, in the Lord's name, win. When I think about this, this, this winning this is faith in Jesus. And what Jesus has said here is what I plan on accomplishing through you. And this is where most people, they, they see problems. And for Caleb, when he, was, when he was younger, they were faced with all the giants in the promised land. And he was one of 12 spies that went in. And he came back and, and him and Josh were like, we are well able. But there were 10 who just saw the problems. They, they were willing to say no, or not yet. They were willing to, to punt it ultimately to the next generation. But Caleb said, we can do it. And so his promise, and some of you got to catch this too, his promise, you, you may have said a long time ago, yes and amen to the Lord. And his promise to you, you know it's going to come true, but it seems like it's a long time. Caleb had to wait 40 years for his promise to come true. He had to walk with that generation of naysayers, the generation of people who only saw problems, but he never stopped trusting the words of the Lord because of the words of the Lord that were given to them was that they were going to, going to live in a land flowing of milk and honey. You know, when you read that in scripture going, well, okay, so what, bees and cows? No, it's metaphorical in this that the milk is the necessity of life and the honey is the good things of life. And God promised that to him. But the, when you're around people who always see problems and their, their mentality is a no mentality, it's difficult to step into the promise that God has in store for you. But hear me on this. If you're the person that sees the potential, if you're the person that says, yes, Lord, you could be surrounded by a thousand no's, but the yes of the Lord will always overpower a thousand no's. So be patient with the Lord. Keep walking with the Lord. Keep trusting in the Lord. Keep saying yes along the way. Certainly, I would think that Caleb had to say, yes, Lord, I won't get an attitude towards that person for keeping us out of the, the promised land. David's another guy. David's a, is a number of different yeses that we can go when it comes to David. But, but he, I think what's beautiful about David's life is that yes brings confidence. The scripture says that here, here's a guy that was after God's own heart. But David was a guy who was after God's heart. And understand a big part of the divine purpose that God desires for all of humanity to step into 
Scripture says that he's, you know, we looked at this a little last week in 2 Peter, but God's not slack in his promise, as some count slackness, because he's long-suffering towards us, because he doesn't want us, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That repentance words has to do with God's divine purpose, is that people who are blind and looking at this world and the things of this world will turn and look to him. And you find this about David. He's constantly one who was looking toward God. The reason Jesus died on the cross is so you and I would say yes and look to him. Psalm 27, I think, illustrates this uh, incredibly beautiful as David is, is writing. And he's talking about his personal problems. He's talking about enemy on top of enemy. In fact, you may feel in your life you've got every card, the proverbial card, stacked against you. That, that every time there's a problem, you, you just, you just kind of get your finances taken care of and you finally have worked over, now you can start putting money in savings and all of a sudden your car breaks down. Or, or you, you find yourself where now you have worked toward, you get an opportunity to advance in some place in, in, in your job and they just close the position. But in all of this, the divine purpose for us is to not look at the problems, not look at the things that, that seem to be working against us, but to look to the Lord. And that's what David says in Psalm 27, that he looks to him. His desire is for him. It says that what he seeks more than anything is the face of the Lord. When we have a yes mentality, we are constantly coming back and looking towards the Lord. And then all of a sudden, the spirit begins to grow. This is why I believe that whenever we come together and we, we worship together and we experience the dynamic of his presence together in a greater fashion, we should not leave discouraged. We should not leave upset. We should, we should have confidence that we can face the things of every day knowing that God is there and is bigger than everything that we face. So it's confidence. The disciples, Haley, they said yes. Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you. And, now, and for today, uh, I'll leave that blank because God has a desire to make each of us into the likeness of him. Jesus tells a story and you find that there are people in Matthew 8 where people would come to Jesus and say, I want to follow you, but first I have to. There's a, there's a no mentality. I, I, I want to I I spend more time in God's word, but I have to. I want to spend more time personally worshiping him, but I, but I have this and I have that. I, I want to I make sure that I'm in accountable, growing relationships within the body of Christ. But man, they just meet on days I can't do it. And Jesus, he doesn't need the no mentality. He's looking for those who will drop everything and follow him. And when you're willing to drop everything and follow him, then growth happens. What you find with the disciples is that Andrew ends up being a person who is regularly bringing people to Jesus. You find that Peter, you know, here's a guy who, you know, he was a fisherman, but he ends up being a leader in the early church. Why? Because he said yes to the Lord. Is it a straight line for, was it a straight line for Peter? No. Is it a straight line for us? No. But every time we say yes, more and more do we become like Jesus Christ. John said yes to the Lord, and, and he writes the Gospels. He writes a couple letters. He writes the book of Revelation. Why? Because he says yes to the Lord.
you, this, the, the, the tradition of even Thomas, who, you know, he gets, the, he gets the bad rap of being called Doubting Thomas. Man, if our faith could rise to the level of that guy's faith expressed in his life, who goes and evangelizes the, the part of the world which we know as India. In fact, it was there that he ends up, he ends up dying, they say. Because when you say yes to the Lord, you grow in this divine purpose. What's our divine purpose? Well, Paul said it's that we, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, it says in Ephesians 2. We become more and more like Jesus, so the expression of who we are is more and more like Jesus. Another two people found in Acts chapter 9, one the guy that I look forward to meeting in heaven. And I, and I hope you understand the, the, the incredible power of this name that I'm going to tell you. And, and his willingness to stay, say yes, was a guy by the name of Ananias. Here's a guy I want to meet. Because it was his yes that opened the door for miracles. So he's spending time in prayer before the Lord. And the Lord says to him, hey, I want you to go and I want you to pray for a guy named Saul. Ananias is like, like, Lord, you know, you've heard of this Saul guy, right? He's killing everybody. And you want me to go pray for him. This, this willingness to say yes will cause us to move into a territory that tends to, to kind of get that fear part of us going a little bit. And you can choose to entertain, entertain that fear and say no. Or you can be obedient and say yes and step into a miracle. Didn't mean that he walked into the, the house there on Straight Street and looked at Paul and went, in the name of Jesus. I think he was way more gentle than that. He walked up and began to share the things of the Lord with him and then laid his hands on him, prayed for him, and he received his sight. There is always risk when it comes to the miraculous. And unless you have a mentality that says yes, you will not be able to see the miracles, because it'll ask you to step through the risk that is in front of you. Saul was a guy, same chapter, and he says yes, and it opens up his intended future that God had all in store for him since the foundation of the world. But it started with him saying yes, and his yes had everything to do with honesty about who he was. If I, I like to joke that you know, here, here Saul's riding along on his horse, and, and God knocks him off his high horse. Do you know, God knocked us off our high horse with COVID. The world was just clicking along, going along fine, and boom. Because God's not in the business of humbling you and I. God's in the, in the business of humiliating you and I, showing us all of our failings, all of our shortcomings, all the areas that we can't. So ultimately, we would look to him and say, he can that's what happened with Saul. He got knocked off his high horse. But what you find about Saul that is interesting is that when he humbled himself, he humbled himself by saying yes. Now, you don't read that in the scripture, but what you find is that when the Lord said, uh, starts talking to him, he says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus responds to him. He says, I'm the one you've been fighting against. And immediately he gets up and he begins to fast. He didn't give excuses. 
He didn't, he didn't stop and, and procrastinate. He didn't give any self-defense. He just recognized in the presence of the Almighty God, the only incorrect answer to him is yes. In fact, you find later in his, his writings, he, he, he writes things like, all the things that I achieved, my education, my, my status in the world, all of that was rubbish, which, by the way, is just the proper English way, word for saying trash. And that yes mentality opened up the intended life. We cannot live the intended life that God has for us individually until we're willing to say, all right, so simply two things we have to do. We have to first recognize. We have to recognize his plan, or recognize his plan and his voice. His plan's real simple. I think it's funny when people say, well, I'm praying about the will of God. Well, listen, every day God gives you an opportunity to become more like him. You could choose to hang on to your curmudgeon, you know, downcast, bitter attitude, or you could say yes to the Spirit and say, I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to find the good, the blessing, the, the, the beautifulness that God has in front of me. And then what you find is God saying that more and more and more and more and more, and we can recognize his voice. And, the, and our response is what? Yes. And it's, it's a different path for each of us. The result is the same. God is glorified. Jesus Christ is made known. We are fulfilled. But it looks different. The yes mentality for me began, uh, began when I became a Christian. I was just like, oh, I was just taking in everything I could. But then there was a time where the Lord said, yeah, okay, here's your, here's your next big yes. For me, the big, next big yes was, I'm calling you to full-time vocational ministry. He calls all of us to ministry. He called me to full-time vocational ministry. And me, I just said to God, I was very clear. Oh, that's nice, God, but Clarissa will say no. It's what I said. I kid you not. That's what I said to the Lord. I think it was a solid two to three months before I ever said anything to Clarissa. I was married to her. I know how she could respond to this stuff. She didn't marry a pastor. Little did I know that when she was a little Clarissa, that the Lord had said to her, that was a place he was going to take her. And when she was a little Clarissa had said yes. So I just, I was a chicken for about three months. So if you're struggling being a chicken spiritually, just know you're not alone. But I want to do uh, to tell you a little bit different story because it was in 2007, and we had uh, this building on Main Street in Sholo, and I, I didn't have the opportunity. I was I was bivocational at that time, and uh, I uh, didn't get a chance to go to our our minister's renewal that was in Arizona, and a missionary couple that attended our church had went, and they brought back this piece of paper, and it was just sitting on a table. And I walked up and, and I saw this piece of paper. It wasn't this exact piece of paper, by the way, but this is what it looked like. I saw this piece of paper in there and the Lord said, that's my plan for you for a while. And I went, okay, I don't know anything about it, but all right. And it wasn't long before the district started talking about some meetings that they were going to have surrounding this thing called church life. And I went to the meetings and I thought, found out how much it was going to cost and how much time it was going to take. And I went, you imagine this, Clarissa's never going to say yes to this. I didn't run right home and tell her either. It didn't take me three months, though. 
because, because the, the yes here was, not only was it expensive school-wise, but it was expensive travel because I traveled 16 weeks in 18 months. And, and it, was, it, was a, it was a stress on Clarissa and I because I would come home so incredibly exhausted because as someone said that uh, is a friend of mine that visited where we lived in Arizona, it takes a plane, a car, and a mule to, live, to get where you live. It, it was a solid three and a half hours for me to drive to the airport on Sunday night or Monday morning, get home late Friday night, and try to drive back up to where we lived. It was, it was exhausting, but it was incredibly fulfilling. And it started with me saying yes over a piece of paper. And I could go, you know, all the different times the Lord just spoke to me about me and about what he wants to do and the plans that he has and the relationships that, that I met and grow because I said yes. And my heart for each and every person that, whether you're in this room or you're watching online, is that we grow into a mentality where we say, yes, Lord. I'm not asking you to say yes to me. At some point, I would like you to say yes if I ask you something, but that's not what the sermon's about. The sermon's not about you saying yes to a person. You're saying yes to the Almighty God. So he's glorified. So he's honored. So Jesus is made known. And so that ultimately, you live a fulfilled life. Now, we're going to finish out a little bit different than, than you might think, because um, as I was kind of just praying about what the Lord wanted to talk about this week, I, it dawned on me late. Well, this fits exactly with where the Lord is taking Bethel because I'm going to introduce two people that said, yes, Lord. But before they come up, part of the, the process of traveling and was getting to know people. And I first met Bill Chamberlain in October of 2009. And it only took two months for him to scare the living daylights out of me. Because he sees things. I've never met anybody in my life with a more authentic, pure, prophetic gift than Bill. Bill and I's relationship has developed and grown. I still have a, a little fear, holy fear. But there's nobody in the world that I would honestly say, other than my wife, that knows more about me than him. Because I said yes in 2007. Bill's and Colleen's ministry uh, was 22 years in Annapolis, Maryland, where they planted a church. And the Lord just navigated them a number of different places over that time. I may get the number of years wrong, but there's a number of years that, that Bill opened the Maryland State Senate in prayer because God uses him in that particular area. But it's probably been a year and a half where Bill's on the phone. I said, Bill, God's calling you to Texas. Well, he better tell me. Because here's the thing I know with Bill. If, it does, if he doesn't hear the Lord say this, he's not moving right? And I would bring that up now and then, and actually Rex and I would be praying on them. We'd be driving or golfing or something. Yep, that's God's will for Bill and Colleen's life is to be in Texas. I want you to catch this. They pastored a church for 22 years, and the Lord says, I want you to go to Texas, and you're going to be connected to Bethel, but that's not all you're going to be doing. Just get going. And they said, yes. 
That's a beautiful thing. When we sit around the, the, the table in heaven having uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the conversations that are going to be going on are not, did you do what the pastor said or did you do what that person said? Or, did you do this, that? No, the conversations are going to be about, I said yes, Lord, and look what he did. I said yes, Lord, and look what he did. I said yes, Lord, look what he did. There's going to be some... That, that may be hard for us to sit next to. I said, yes, Lord, and I got killed. I said, yes, Lord, and I lost everything. Oh, but he's so good because I didn't lose the most important thing. I said, yes, Lord, and I stepped into this or I stepped into that. And so I, I said that, and I guess there's a number of things that the Lord just began to, to do and talk about in, in the time that I had in that sabbatical time, but but what God is doing at Bethel now is predates, predates um, my sabbatical. I knew the Lord was going to bring Bill and Colleen Chamberlain to Bethel to minister to and through this body. Not replacing me. We covered that last week, right? right? I'm not going anywhere. Remember this? For those of you that were here last week, I'm not going anywhere. That's what the sabbatical was never about me going anywhere. I'm here. But I'm going to ask Bill and Colleen to come and and as they're, as they're coming, go ahead and come up here. Um, I always think it's good that, um, uh, that we have a bit of holy fear that goes on in our, uh, uh, around us. Knowing that the Lord who knows everything has a voice to tell you he knows what's going on. If you've never experienced that fear, just wait. <laughs> you've been married to it for quite a number of years. I'm going to let you talk here in a minute, but I just, let me start with Colleen here. So Colleen is, yeah, here so everybody can see you. Colleen's, Colleen's going to come and her, she, her area of ministry, certainly at the beginning is she's going to be reshaping our first impressions ministry. She's going to be shaping uh, really a person that comes and then gets connected into Bethel. Uh, again, being a pastor's wife, she's done everything, not men's ministries, and we're glad for that. Uh, but everything else in the area of church. So that's going to be her area of, of ministry. Bill is going to be focusing in on prayer and the prophetic. And I had mentioned this to Bill here a number of weeks ago as we were talking. He says, you know what, you're going to say it. I said, I don't have a clue what I'm going to say. But then the Lord began to give me a picture of, of really what he wants to do in the area of prayer and prophetic. Growing up as a, as a kid, my dad was an operating engineer. He ran big equipment. And one of the things that he did is he, he built roads in the mountains. But in order for there to be a paved road that people can drive on, it required somebody driving a big old tractor pushing away everything that hinders the road. Prayer and prophetic is like that bulldozer in the spirit realm. And make no mistake, there are spirit, there's a spirit realm that is hindering every aspect of the work of God in and through our lives. And so Bill's responsibility is he's going to grow, and I don't want to step on what you might say, but I just really want to believe that God's going to grow a team of people who are going to, and he, he already offended me, by the way. not offended, it's not the right word, stepped on my toes. I'm like, all right, I'm excited about this. He goes, you can't come. Yeah, I, I was like, oh man, because I love prayer. I love being with guys and people in this. He goes, no, I want to build a people who are, it's their voice that God is using. 
and we'll bring that stuff to you. But go ahead and talk, share just a little bit about it, because it is something different that uh, most people aren't going to be used to. Okay. Um, well, thank you for... This is Marco's mic. Is it, is is it on? Am I on? Can you hear me? I thought I turned it on. It's on, but there's no light. Okay, let's get a different one. Oh, here, I guess this one, maybe. I just, uh, I just want to thank everybody for welcoming us. We, I said this last year when we were here, that this place has been such a, a place of uh, welcoming us, and we didn't know uh, all the details at that point. Um, in fact, uh, it was that last April when we were down here when the Lord said, I just want you to go um, back to Annapolis and sell your house, and then I'm going to tell you the next step. And um, we... Uh, we did. Um, we sold our house and um, we moved in. We, we had a six-bedroom six home and we moved into a one-bedroom apartment. And literally for the last year, we've been living out of a suitcase. And um, we didn't know what the Lord had for us. And um, we actually at one time had four realtors uh, looking um, around the country because we just didn't know. I was still pastoring Bridge. Um, long story short, uh, the Lord wanted me to resign the church uh, before he promised, I mean, no job uh, and no home. And the Lord wanted me to resign the church that, uh, that I built. <laughs> Doggone it. I built that place. You know what I mean? It's his, of course. Um, but um, that Sunday, we resigned. We said yes to the Lord without any strings attached. Um, our kids and our grandkids uh, all knew that um, we were we were putting ourselves in a place with the Lord. It was the very next morning that the house opened up that we just bought uh, here in Kennedale, and we moved in July fifteenth. Yeah, and you know you may not realize this, but for an Easterner, it's hot here. <laughs> I, hope, I hope that's not going to go on. Um, but <laughs> well. Um, just before the week before we left, um, I was asking the Lord what this meant because in the spirit, the Lord pointed a finger to this area and he says, I'm sending you here. And uh, a week before uh, we packed up the last of our boxes, uh, the Lord gave me a dream. I'm not going to share the dream with you now. I'll share it with you later. But it was uh, it absolutely sh it, it rattled me on what the Lord is doing in the world, what he's doing in this country and what he wants to do through this church. And I started to pray um, because my prayer, uh, you know, I really do love people. I, I really do. Mm -hmm. And I really don't want to see anybody harmed. But that's not my right for you. And it's not my right for me. Jesus leads us in harm all the time. How many mm -hmm. know that? Yeah. And so, but I'm excited. We're excited about... Um, doing something that through this part of the country is going to have an impact um, that the Lord has been speaking to us that's going to have a big repercussions. And, and listen, you've got to know when a woman says and agrees to selling her home, walking away from her kids and nine grandchildren because they don't live here, when she does that, I knew I had to surrender 
to what the Lord was doing because I was going, oh, she's, she's, she's not going for this, Lord. <laughs> she, she's not going to go for it. But we're excited about what the Spirit of the Lord wants to do through this group. And so over the next few weeks, um, there's going to be an invitation come out because, uh, you know, an intercessor back in the 19th century, Reese House, said that where prayer ends, intercession begins. And intercession is a, is a type of prayer that moves from the Spirit's realm and begins to shift things around you. As I was unpacking, I actually packed some of the newspaper articles that the team that I was leading in Annapolis shifted the world. We would pray and the next few days it would be on the front page of the paper on things that were shifting and moving. And sometimes that rattles people because where you are with the Lord, you may think that, well, he's over here when I want to get to him, but he's not. He's right in you. Mm. And there are going to be things that he's going to touch in your life and rattle you. And you're going to, your knees are going to knock, but I'm just going to tell you it's going to be okay because the Lord wants to invite you into something different. And so as I was praying and, and, and Pastor Rich and I, we've had this conversation because the fear is the Lord has a plan to change Bethel. Mm. Anytime he adds new giftings and new people, the church changes. I mean, that's not very prophetic, but I want you to know that the Lord is not allowing you to stay static. Yeah. There is none of that. In fact, I'm absolutely convinced we're living in the last days, the last of the last days, and you may see yourself as several generations in this area. Your dad was here, your parents were here, and you could look back and back and back, and you can hang on to that, that the future is going to be the same. And I'm going to tell you here right now, it's about to radically change in this country and in the world, and the Lord is looking for a few people who are going to say yes to him mm -hmm. and are going to put aside all the other plans that you have. And the Lord loves the plans that you have. In fact, he's led you in a lot of those, but he wants to add something to you that sees something that he's doing all around you. I want you to be able to walk into this room and get a sense of the demons that came in with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're here. There's a couple of amens out there. They come to church every day. That. They come to church every day. I want you to get a sense for what the Spirit of the Lord is doing in here. Yeah. And I want you to get a sense of what is happening in this region and in this country. And we're excited about that. And I want you to know that Call and I, um, we believe that the Lord has sent us here uh, to be a part of a place that already understands prayer. I, I told Pastor Rich, there is prayer here. Mm -hmm. There's prayer here. I feel it. But I'm excited about something that the Lord is about to bump up mm. or to change. And um, and so uh, we're here. <laughs> we're here, and we're excited to be a part of Bethel. Yeah. Would you just stand and uh, move your hand? Let's lift your hands toward Bill and Colleen. We just want to pray for them. Uh, they they are not Bethels like I'm not Bethels and you're not Bethels. We're gods, and we we want to, we want our lives to be ordered and directed of Him. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God that has your hands on lives of people. 
And Lord, we declare that our, our, your hand is on ours. We say yes to wherever you move us. But Lord, we also say thank you for the partnership and ministry that you bring. And Lord, Bill and Colleen saying yes to you and being obedient, Lord. We thank you that, Lord, you have allowed them to partner with us in the furthering of the plan that you have. And so we say yes to it, Lord, for every person that will uh, to step into that to that intercessory place with Bill and and recognize what the Lord's activity is, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord God. Lord, for every person that walks alongside Colleen and 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 taking care of of the, the body of Christ in a, in a, in a different care way, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord God. And so, Lord, we say yes and amen to your plan and purpose. And Lord, we ask you to help us to help integrate them into our lives, not just on Sunday morning, but every day in Jesus' name. And everybody said in agreement, amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.